the power of that story really impacted me, though, especially, you know, as I, um, I've seen talk to so many people that have this feeling like life is owed to them, that it just needs to be handed to them. And I see so many people that uh, they, they, have, they have some kind of setback in their life, and then they, they just kind of sit back and go, well, I guess there's nothing I can do about it. I had a setback. When, when what life is, it's a series of obstacles you have to overcome. It's a series of challenges you have to deal with. And I, I like the attitude of that kid. I mean, he wanted a job, and he didn't, you know, he, he didn't say, well, I don't have money to ride the bus. I guess I can't go to my job interview. He walked 10 miles through the snow to get a job interview. And by the way, he, apparently he didn't get the job he interviewed for. He walked 10 miles through the snow and didn't get the job he interviewed for. But because of the situation, this other guy um, met him and offered him a job. That, that's, that, I mean, you know what? And that's what works in life. It's going and going and going until you succeed. It's keeping going. And that, that's, what we're, that's an, important, it's an important aspect of um, how we ought to look at things in life. I think too often times we get discouraged when, when we have a setback. We have a failure. We have a negative thing happen. In fact, oftentimes, you know, I, I really believe this. Oftentimes what we see as failure, God doesn't see as failure. He sees it as a learning experience. He sees it as, as the next step, as the next thing you're going towards. And so often in times, when something discouraging happens, people get, they, they just kind of shut down. They just kind of stop and, 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 they, and they give up. And God wants us to keep going through every situation. And, uh, and, and I, the, we're going to read about Isaiah today. And he's in a moment in time in his life where he was in a similar thing where he had a setback happening in his life. And, uh, and we're going to start from Isaiah chapter 6. This is, this is a powerful passage. This is a significant passage. Um, and it starts out, it says, In the year that King Uzziah died, in the year King Uzziah died. And what was significant about this is King Uzziah, um, the king of the time, he had been king for, for a long time. He'd been king for so long, people couldn't even remember before the time he was king. And he was this awesome king. Like, everything he touched turned to gold. He was like... He, he made everything right. It's like the world was all okay so long as King Uzziah was there. So long as King Uzziah was under control. Like, the, the guy was just amazing. He, um, he invented things, and he, he put things right in his kingdom, and he, he was just an incredible king. Because not every king, if you look through Israel's history, not every king were good kings. Some of them were terrible kings, and the, and the, and the nation fell into horrible problems and all these things. But King Uzziah was this great king, this great hero, this great guy. And, um, and, and the unthinkable happened, he died. And this moment was, and I just think it's powerful, in the year King Uzziah died, it's this moment, and Isaiah was part of his court. Isaiah knew the king. Isaiah, it wasn't like he was far away. Isaiah was close to him. I just see him as like, Isaiah, at this point in his life, he's a young man, and this king has been like, um, I really believe it's like almost a mentor relationship with him. He's got this, this deep relationship with Isaiah. And he says, in the year that this happened, it's, my, it's, it's his year of mourning. He could have said, in the year I was in mourning. In the year I didn't know how my life was going to be okay. In the year it felt like everything I knew had been shaken. In that year, this is what happened to me. And I think that's significant. Because just like the kid in the video that needs a job, just like Isaiah, you're going to have moments where there's obstacles in front of you. You're going to have moments where your life is shaken. You're going to have moments where you feel like, I don't know how I'm going to overcome this. But every obstacle in life is a thing to be overcome. Every challenge in life is a thing to get through. Every difficult time in life is a thing to be endured. You just have to hold on. And Isaiah says, in the year that King Uzziah died, I saw the Lord, high and exalted, seated on a throne. 
and the training of, of his robe filled the temple. So in this moment, in this time of his mourning, in this thing, he gets a vision of God. He has this image of God, high and exalted on a throne. And, and what I want to say is during the crisis, God still reigns. During the crisis, God still reigns. Because sometimes we feel like, man, life is falling apart. Things are crazy. I don't know if you've ever had moments like that. I've had moments in my life where I'm just like, I don't know how it's going to be okay again. I don't. I don't know how things are going to be put back together. And, and I want you to know, different crises have different answers. And different crises last for different amounts of time. Some crises last a long time, and you have to endure for a while. Some crises are quick. So, some crises you have to overcome by, by working hard. Some crises you just, have to, you just have to endure through it and just go through the day-to-day. But whatever your crisis is, whatever your situation is, God still reigns. God is still on high, and we can still trust him. Some, sometimes Christians have this weird, bizarre idea that if I'm serving God and doing what he wants, and, and God's really in control, then I'm not going to go through crises. And that is simply not the case. Crises are a part of the human experience. It's a part of what we live. It's a part of what we are. It's a part of what we have. There, there's just no way around it. In fact, God doesn't, how do I say this? God doesn't want us to avoid all the crises. Now, the Bible doesn't say that God brings the crises to us. Um, crises happen because um, sometimes sometimes because of people doing things to us. Sometimes um, just situations come up. Sometimes it's because we're idiots um, and we do stupid things and, and we earn the crises for ourselves. Um, I don't know if you've ever can think of a time where you earned your own crises. Congratulations. But regardless of why the crisis is in your life, regardless of why the situation is in your life, God is still on the throne. He's still in control. And we can rest in that, and we can relax in that, and we can say, well, I'm unhappy about things in my life right now. I'm disturbed about things in my life right now. I'm not doing great in things in my life right now, but I still trust in God. I still rest in Him. You know, I think, I think part of the problem, this is, this is funny, I think especially Christians that live in, in relatively wealthy societies, we really feel like if, if we go through anything uncomfortable that God owes us, it's like, you know, God should take me out of this bad job right now. I don't like my job. And uh, I hate my job right now. Ugh. And, uh, and yet, you know what? Maybe God wants you to deal with that job for a while so you can learn to have some character, learn to have some patience, learn to have some things. You know, I think about Christians. We have, there are Christians around the world today um, that, that are in jail today for serving God. They're, you know what I think? You know what? That's got to suck. <laughs> I've got to be like, man, I was put in prison because I was preaching the gospel, and I was put in prison because I was running a church in my house in Saudi Arabia, and they threw me in prison. It's got to suck, you know? You know, you just, and we're like, oh, I hate my job. <laughs> oh, man, I've got, to, I've got to sweep the floors, and then when I'm sweeping the floors, I've got to wipe the counters. I hate this. <laughs> My boss, he's such a jerk. He tells me to work. I hate that guy. Uh, and, and you know, there's a, there's a place where we just got to say, you know what, we're, we're, dealing with, we're dealing with negative situations in life because God wants, God wants us to grow in character. I mean, I don't believe God brings negative situations to us, but we just need to get over ourselves sometimes. We just need to, to, to deal with it sometimes. You know, um, 
I, I was watching a comedian one time, and he was saying, you know, a, a lot of young people, they'll, like, they'll be like, I hate my job. My job sucks. And, uh, and the comedian was like, yeah, I know. That's why we gave it to you. Um, and the fact is, you got to go through sucky jobs for a while before you get good jobs. Um, that's the way life is. you got to go through difficult situations before you get good situations. There, there's, there's prices to pay for life. And, and these, are, these are good things for all of us to know. And God wants us to understand that this is how character grows in us. This is how we grow as people. And when you're going through difficult situations, whether it's difficult like you're just being kind of whiny because you don't like your job, because you work at uh, Blockbuster and it sucks, or, or whatever it is, or, or if... Or if... There's still Blockbuster. What are you talking about? Yeah, there is. There, there's, two, there's two in town. There's one on Willamette and one on, uh, one on Maine in, in Springfield. What's wrong with you people? All right. You don't know where all the blockbusters are? God help us. In any case, in any case, get your facts straight before you criticize me. All right. Uh, but God wants to take you through those times, and he wants you to endure through them, and he'll bring you out the other side. And this is where Isaiah is. Isaiah is in this moment where he feels concerned, but God still reigns. Um, above him were seraphim. Seraphim are a kind of angel, each with six wings. We always imagine angels of having those two wings just on the back. Seraphim got six wings. They're just like out of control. Uh, with two wings, they covered their faces, so they got two wings up here. With two wings, they covered their feet, so they got wings down there. With two wings, they were flying, and they were calling to one another, holy, holy, holy is the Lord Almighty. The whole earth is full of his glory. At the sound of their voyage, the doorposts and the threshold shook, and the temple was filled with smoke. I think what, what an amazing picture of what the throne room of God is. You've got angels just flying around shouting out, holy is God, awesome is God, God is incredible. They're just flying around just kind of shouting to each other. Do you know how awesome God is? God is so freaking awesome. Do angels say freaking? I don't know. I don't know if they're allowed to say freaking. <laughs> But, but, they're, but they're flying around, God is awesome. God is, I, I, I cannot express how incredibly awesome God is. And they're flying around just worshiping God by crying out how awesome he is. And not only is this a picture of who God is, this is a picture of what Sunday morning church is supposed to be. We come to morning, we worship God on Sunday morning because in a very real way, the presence of God is here on Sunday morning. The Bible says where two or three are gathered together, there am I in the midst of you. God is with us in a very kind of surreal way. This becomes the throne room of God. This is his presence. And this is the place where we cry out to each other. And we say, holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty. And we do that when we sing. We do that when we fellowship. And we share love with each other when, we, when we're eating croissants. And, uh, and we, we, we do it all these different ways. And we do it now as we hear the word and we listen to the word of God. And we apply it to our lives and say, oh, I see how that fits in my life. Chink, that goes into this part of my life. And we don't just let, let it pass through our ears, but we listen and we hear and it changes us. Um, and that's that act of worship. And we need to recognize who the God is holy, that cry, holy, holy, holy. You know, one of the great, one of the great uh, challenges of a true religion is that we have to allow it to change our lives. The temptation of religion is to take the philosophies we like and put it as a rubber stamp on the way we are right now. 
That, that's, 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 we want to take who we are right now and say, bam, stamp, that's good. And the people around you are like, yeah, you're kind of a jerk. And they're like, yeah, but I'm a Jesus jerk. Stamp. <laughs> and, uh, and God's expectations are that we grow in character, that we grow and we become people that are lovely and wonderful of character. We become people that are, that are righteous and pure in what we do and how we live. Um, you know, as we go through life, every day we have moments where we, where we got to decide who we're going to be. Are we going to live righteously? Are we going to live, um, are we going to live righteously? And we have to make that decision constantly. Or are we going to live in a way that's, that's, that's selfish and distracting? Are we going to live in a way that's displeasing to God? We have to make that decision all the time. Um, you know, with, uh, with, with, with our lives, how we treat people, how we live morally, how we treat our finances, how we, uh, how we do so many different things has a huge impact. You know, we have to make decisions about character all the time. And it is a great temptation of people to just live however they want and then put Jesus on top of it and call it good. Uh, you know, um, religion, you know, serving God takes a bad rap these days. Serving God takes a bad rap because all these people have this idea that I'm just going to, um, I, or how to say it, like, I'm just going to do whatever and then call myself God's person. And, and you see it like people say, like, religion causes wars. And, you know, and, and if you look at history, it's not true because cultures where they've gotten rid of religion, where they've called themselves an atheistic nation, boy, you want to talk about some atrocities that have taken place. Look at some of the things that took place in nations where they call themselves athe atheistic and the, the genocides that have taken place and the horrible things that have taken place. Here's what really happens. People live the way they want to live, and then they use religion to excuse it. Let's go, let's go conquer another nation and kill a bunch of people, and we'll do it for Jesus. And... Uh, and, and so that, that's what really happens. People live the way they want to live, and then they excuse themselves for it. But if we want to practice real religion, what we have to do is we have to take the Word of God, which, by the way, is a really difficult standard to live up to, and we have to try to live according to the Word of God. We have to take the Bible, we have to take the sayings of Jesus and the apostles and the prophets and the teachers, and we have to say, I need to live like that. It's a challenging thing to do with our lives. It's a challenging thing to live in humility, to live with, with righteousness, to live in love, loving other people. Challenging things for us to do. But that's what God calls us to. And we need to recognize God is holy, and that's what holy means. He expects us to live a holy life like the Bible talks about. He cries, woe to me, I cried. This is, this is Isaiah's response to seeing the throne room of God. Woe to me, I cried, I am ruined. For I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And mine eyes have seen the King, the Lord Almighty. Um, you know, at this point, Isaiah recognized his sin in light of God's holiness. Now, as we talk about Isaiah at this moment, Isaiah, at this point, he's a pretty righteous guy. He's a preacher. He's out preaching, and everybody thinks he's a good guy. And he's a pretty good guy. He is not a puppy killer. He is not a, uh, you know, he is not a bad person. He, he doesn't jaywalk. Um, he, doesn't, uh, he doesn't do prank phone calls. Um, he do, he doesn't, doesn't do any of these things. He's, he's, he's not a nose picker. He does, 
he, you know, he's a good guy, and uh, and he, he really is. And yet, when he sees when he sees how holy God is, he catches a glimpse of how holy God is. He realizes there's a lot of things in my life that don't match up to this incredible standard of God. There's a lot of things in my life that don't meet up to what God expects of me. And, and the fact is, we who walk in Christ will probably never truly attain perfection. We'll probably never get to that place where we're totally perfect. We'll probably never get to that place where we've got our lives totally pure. Paul the Apostle, who's this great man of God, who went preaching all over the place and was persecuted, all these things, he said, I don't feel like I've attained yet. I don't feel like I'm at that place where I'm like Jesus yet. And we'll probably never get there. What that means is, because we're never going to get there, our life is a life of regular repentance before God. We have to take regular moments before God and say, God, I'm sorry for, for this thing that's in my life. I'm sorry for the selfishness. I'm sorry for this immorality issue. I'm sorry for, for um, the fact that I yelled at my kids today because I was mad because I had a rough day at work and I treated, take it out on my kids. I'm sorry, God, that, uh, that uh, you know, um, I, I dealt with my coworker poorly. I'm sorry, God, that I'm gossiping against that other person at work. Uh, and, uh, you know, wh whatever it is, these, these our lives that God wants us to grow in, we repent and we say, God, I'm going to change. That's what real repentance is. to say, I'm sorry for what I've done. Please forgive me. I'm going to change. If you're missing any step along that way, it's not real repentance. If you say, I'm sorry for what I've done, but I'm going to keep doing it, it's not real repentance. You know, you walk up to somebody and slap them and say, slap, I'm sorry, slap, I'm sorry, slap. You know, after a while, after a while, somebody's going to start to doubt your, your sincerity. You know, it, it, God's desire is that we make the decision that we're going to continue, that we're going to grow in the sense that we're going to ask forgiveness and we're going to continue as we ask forgiveness to, uh, to change and strive to change our lives. And, and, and then we seek forgiveness from God in that. And that's, that's a regular part of what we want to do as we, as we pray and we seek after God, we recognize his holiness and his word. We strive to live like him and we repent as we don't. Then one of the seraphim flew to me with a live coal in his hand, which he had taken with tongs from the altar, and it touched my lips and said. So I want you to think about that for a second. That's got to be an intense moment for him. There, there's these burning coals on the altar. You know, think about that. Some like, think of like you're burning charcoal briquettes. And an angel takes the tongs and says, here, I want to put this up against your lips. If you're ever tempted to try this at home, don't do it. I remember one time when I was a kid, <clears throat> and as you hear the story, you'll recognize, boy, Pat, you were a stupid kid. One time when I was a kid, I was sitting by myself alone in the car, and, um, and I was, I was wait, waiting for my mom. She was, she was actually it was after church, and my mom was always after church, was talking to people, talk, talk, talk. And, uh, and, and, we're, and I'm sitting here, and, I, and I, I'm sitting in the car, nothing to do, and I was a dumb kid, again. Uh, and I saw the cigarette lighter, so I pressed the cigarette lighter in, and I, and I pulled it out, and it was like cherry red. I went, oh. <laughs> oh. Well, I don't know how many times I did that. Once. One time was all I did that. Because even though I wasn't the brightest kid on the block, one time, was, one time was all it took, and I was healed from ever wanting to do that again. And, and that's what basically he does here. He says he takes, he takes this burning coal, 
and he puts it up against his lips. Now, I don't believe, because it's a supernatural event that's taking place, it didn't burn his lips. Um, um, and, and in fact, what, what was being symbolized here, and this, is, and this is important, what's being symbolized here is the fact that purity comes from God. The forgiveness of our sins comes through our relationship with God. And that's, and that's what Jesus Christ came and died on the cross for. He came and died so that we could be forgiven. So our sins could all be washed away. So they could all be taken from us. And, and this, re, this purity relationship that God wants us to have with him comes through our relationship with Jesus Christ. Through making him the king of our lives and saying, God, forgive me. I choose to follow you and I want you in my life. That purity comes from God and from God alone. It comes from his altar. We see this metaphorically happen with Isaiah where the, where the coal is touched against his lips. It's this powerful, this powerful image, this powerful picture that God wants to purify his lips because he's going to send him forth as a minister to preach powerful messages. And, and, and from this point on, I got it, Isaiah is known as the prince of prophets. He's considered the greatest of all the prophets. He's, he's the one, he, he preached, there's 66 books of, of things that he preached. He's considered the, the man that said so many, I mean, you read through Isaiah and just go, holy crap, this is amazing, amazing stuff. Uh, and, and in fact, in fact, if you just, people that, that don't, don't want to read about God but have studied Hebrew will read through Isaiah because his poetry is so beautiful and so amazing. He's considered this incredible writer, this incredible preacher. And it all comes back to this moment because the coal touched his lips. And God wants to touch our lives with forgiveness and with anointing. See, and, and that's the next thing that happens here. It says, Then I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send and who will go for us? And I said, Here am I. Send me. And I think what a powerful moment this is. He's standing where the nation is in the moment of crisis. Isaiah himself is in the moment of crisis. The king is dead. They don't know what's going to happen in the future. They don't even remember, most people don't even remember a time when Uzziah wasn't king. And Isaiah is saying, what's going to happen? And God appears to him. And in this moment of crisis where the message of God needs to go forward, God says, who will go for us? Who shall we send? And Isaiah cries out, here am I. Send me. Send me to be your person. Send me to be the one who speaks for you. And God takes Isaiah and he sends him out into ministry. Because whenever you go through that step where there's forgiveness that takes place in your life, the next step is to go out and minister. It's to become a servant. It's to find a place to serve. Whenever God, because God forgives in you, he's done this ministry in your life, the natural response is in gratefulness to want to respond and minister to other people. Sharing the love of Jesus Christ, sharing his word, inviting people to church, Love by ministry, maybe by service, helping people in your neighborhood, um, helping those who are in need. God desires us to reach out and share his love. This is, the, this is the, the obvious, the natural response to forgiveness. Whenever repentance happens, whenever forgiveness happens, the natural response is for us to go and begin to serve other people. This is what God has called us to. And as each one of us goes through life, we have these repentance moments I believe God is there saying, who shall I send? Who will go for me? And he's looking for us to say to him, God, here am I. Send me. Send me to my workplace. Send me into my neighborhood. Send me into my school. I want to be your representative. I want to... Physically, you're not there to share love. You want me to be your representative sharing your love 
of wherever I go. That's what I want you to do. Angela's going to come up again and, and sing a final song for us, and we're all going to sing together. As we do, I want to challenge everybody to make this dedication to God and say, God, um, here am I, send me. Make this declaration to God and say, here am I, send me. Um, as we sing this song, there's, got, there's uh, communion elements to my right, your left, where we take the bread. Those of us that, you know, when we, as we minister them to Christ, we do this regularly. We take the bread, which represents the body of Christ, which was broken for us. We dip it in the juice, which represents his blood, which was shed for us. And we eat, and we remember how he died for us, was raised again so that we could be forgiven, so that we could know God. If you want somebody to pray with, I'm going to be standing to the side over here. You can come pray with me. Um, but as we just go in these last few moments of the service, I want to focus in on God and say, God, here am I in me. I, I do. Isaiah didn't know what God had for him at that moment. Isaiah had a whole lifetime of incredible ministry after that. And he had no idea. And neither do we. Neither will you. He's looking for people that won't know and say, God, here am I. Send me.
just thank you so much, God, for who you are. God, that you can come, that you can live with us, Lord, that you've chosen, God, to come and dwell with us, Lord. God, I just pray that you would just become more and more real to us every day, Jesus, that your purity, God, and more of who you are, Jesus, would become more real to us every day. God, that we would get the opportunity to really have an experience with you, God, a true encounter with you. Lord, and God, when we meet you, when we experience you, Lord, it changes us forever. And I just pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, that you would fill this place and you would touch our hearts, God, and that we would know you, Lord. And as we go this week, that you would speak to us and that your words would become real to us, God, and that we would never be the same. And I thank you, God, for what you have done, for what you are doing, Lord God, and for especially, Lord, what you are going to do. We thank you and we praise you for this. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Love you guys. Thank you so much. Have a great week.